Well, it's certainly very, very special to see all of you folks today, and it's just um, such a rewarding thing to, to be able to be here with you. Um, it's difficult when you have to miss, and from time to time things come up, and um, last week I, I saw, was suffering from a pretty bad cough and uh, pretty uncontrollable, and so anyway, uh, if I get into a coughing mode here, here in the pulpit, we'll just know this, I've, I've been checked out, I'm not contagious, so I wouldn't be here if I thought I was, but I just was excited, so excited about the message that God gave during this time of just kind of uh, resting and recouping a little bit, and uh, just, a, just an exciting um, inward uh, message from the Word of God that God has just made so clear, this is what I need to preach today. And I actually have a title, which I don't normally have a title, but, uh, and there are many ways you could come uh, to this title, or you could change it up or tweak it a little bit, but uh, it's, the idea is rekindling our zeal to reach lost souls, rekindling our zeal, and that, and that would indicate that we might have had something in the past that we don't have now. We might have been a little more zealous at times, and due to a bunch of things, we've kind of cooled off a little bit, and it's, I think it's easy to do. It's easy to get sidetracked with all the different things that are going on and get caught up in all that. And, and not, um, not think about the eternity that people are going to be facing. And so I, I was hoping that, you know, that we could come to some sort of agreement on just a few things here today. I know there's going to be a lot more that we would agree on, but, but I, I'd like for us to just come to an agreement on just some things in Scripture of course, we, you know, you probably wouldn't be here if you didn't believe in the virgin birth and uh, the resurrection of Christ from the dead and those things. But, um, but notoriously and sadly, Baptists disagree, Christians overall, but Baptists disagree about a lot of different things. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. And, you know, to be, I mean... I'm not really a real big student of church history or anything, but, you know, I just, I just kind of thought, well, you know, you've got Southern Baptists and you've got Independent Baptists, and I've seen a sign or two out in the country, Free Will Baptists and Missionary Baptists, but I did a little search, and lo and behold, I think in North America, I discovered, and I counted them, there are approximately 58 different subdivisions of Baptist. Now, I mean, if you look at it and discover that that's not accurate, that's just what I found. That's what I saw. And so it, and each one probably is a subdivision of Baptist because of a certain slant toward a doctrine or scripture. 
And so if you have that many, then that's not the other denominations. That's just subdivisions of Baptist. And that just says to me that there, there's a lot of differing opinions and views on Scripture. And wouldn't you agree, I, I, think, I think you could acknowledge that's true, that there, we do have a lot of different ideas about certain doctrines, especially certain ones. And, um, and so it's important that today, just, just, if we could just today focus on some things that we can agree on concern, and, and getting around to this idea of rekindling our zeal for the lost souls that we could agree on some scriptures and all of us say, yes, amen, we all agree on this. So how about Romans 3.23? I think we could agree that for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All, all men, all people, all are sinners, born sinners. So I think, I think that one, and that's important to be able to express to someone when you're talking to them about their soul it's important that they understand that God has declared it. This is not my opinion. This is uh, from God. God has said that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we, I think we could agree on that, most everyone. Uh, even if you're raised in a good Christian home, you know, you have to understand you may have wonderful parents, wonderful siblings, but you are still in need of a Savior because for all have sinned. All, A-L-L, have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Another verse that I think we can agree to, and these are, these are obviously simple for all of us. It should be. <clears throat> John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. God loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I think we can agree that God loves the world. He loves sinners, and, and He loves them so much that He gave His only begotten Son to die in their place, to, to shed His blood, to give, to give His life, and to be raised the third day from the grave. He did that because of his great love for sinners. I think Matthew, let me just look this one up. Matthew 28. Why don't you look there, if you will, Matthew 28. Nineteen and twenty. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, always, even unto the end of the world. So I think we can agree that that is called the Great Commission. That is the Great Commission, and. It's really about making disciples. It's about going and making disciples. But you know what? It's kind of like first things first. You can't turn someone or make someone a disciple until they get saved. 
So they've got to come to know Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior. They've got to be born again. They've got to be given the word of God. They've got to receive Christ into their heart and believe on him and be saved. There's no other way for salvation. There's no other way. Jesus said himself, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father except by me. That's it. No other way. But then, after we go, after we see them one to Christ, then it's up to the church to begin to make disciples, disciple them, teaching them to observe the commandments and the instructions in the Word of God. So we, we are to make disciples. Now, <clears throat> I'd like to take you to another verse, Second. Second Peter, if you'll turn there with me, if you have it, Second Peter three nine. I would hope that we could agree on this, 3, 9, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I would hope that we could agree that we're very thankful that God is long-suffering. Have you ever thought about the fact what it would be like in, our, in my place, your place, if God wasn't long-suffering with us? Anybody have a clue? You talk about empty pews. There'd be empty pews. If God wasn't long-suffering with us, because He... he he, in, out of his character, loves us and is patient with us and is kind to us beyond anything mu most human beings express to each other. It's just, it's just the character of God, the long-suffering character of God. I don't know that many of us would still be around if God were not long-suffering. So this is where it gets a little more difficult to really come to full agreement, although I don't see the problem because the Word of God is so clear. God is not willing that any. Now, you know, all you have to do is look up the Greek words, and, and I would hope, I would just hope and pray, just this is my appeal, if you have a different slant than what you're going to hear today, please consider how you've come to the conclusion that you've come to. Please consider and make sure that you're not putting some sort of spin or twist on the plain and simple word of God. God's word says he is not willing that any should perish. 
I'm going to tell you, if you just stop there and just camp there for a while, that shows God's love for sinners, God's love for lost souls. God is not willing that any should perish. Be careful that you don't add your human thoughts and come up with a, a, a view of something that you say God is that God is not. Okay? It's very important that when you look at Scripture, that you look at it in, in the, the way it's intended. you got the history and you got, you know, the context and all those different things. But you have to be careful that when you come to your own conclusion about what any and all and those different words mean, that you don't put some sort of twist to make it fit your particular doctrine. Does that make sense? I mean, it's just very... <clears throat> any means any. God is not willing that any... Think about that. God is not willing that any... Look, look at how totally... Broad that is, I mean, it's not, he's not willing that any should perish. The most vile, the most wicked, the most evil people that we could ever hear about or ever read about, he's not willing that any, because God so loved the world. God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only begotten son. Now, as you look, let, let me just read this again. I'm going to go slow enough that we, that we get it and understand it. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That all should come to repentance. You've got any and you've got all in the same verse. God wants all to turn to him away from their sin. To turn away from their old man, their old nature. And turn to Christ for salvation. He's not willing that any should perish. And he wants all to come to repentance. This is the unbelievable, unconditional love of God. I believe Jesus died for every soul. He loves everyone. He hates the sin, clearly. God hates the sin, but he loves all of us. He loves the sinner. Doesn't like the sin, doesn't love the sin. He loves each one of us in a way that only God can love. I believe he offers salvation. I'm going to look at a verse, some verses here. I believe he offers, and this is my personal view, my slant, that I believe the scripture teaches, but I, at least I have scripture to, to back up what I believe. I believe God offers salvation to every single person and none. None are born without an opportunity for salvation. Not one. No matter their condition, no matter how deeply involved and entrenched in sin they are, it is for everyone that Jesus died, shed his blood 
for all of us. So, let me just read a few verses. And this is Luke 3, 6. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Acts 2, 21. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 5, 18. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift, came upon all men under the under justification of life. Romans 10, 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You want to be saved, you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. 1 Timothy 2, 4. Who will have all this, again, simple English words, but I really believe it means all. Who will have all men to be saved and come to the, unto the knowledge of the truth? Titus 2.11 For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. And then we have our verse, 2 Peter 3.9 The Lord is not slack, concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's where I stand. That's what I believe with all of my heart. I don't believe a person is born without an opportunity. Now, God knows who will and who won't. God knows, he, he's, he knows everything. So he knows down the road who's going to reject Christ and who's going to receive Christ. But to tell me that someone is born into this life, a sinner, and if they wanted to get saved, they couldn't get saved. That's, that's I, I just don't find that in the heart of, of our Father. So it's really, if that were the case, then that would be God sending them to hell without an opportunity to be saved. And, and you know, let me just it's hard to preach and not express some, you know, some of your personal views. I mean, so it's kind of like First Amendment stuff in a way. But this is what I believe. And I, like I said, I, I, I can't wait to get to heaven and find out all the different truths that we've all struggled with. But this is what I have observed in my lifetime. That I think certain doctrines lend themselves to think more like man or humankind than God. Okay? Because... There are doctrines that say you're born without a choice. You don't have an opportunity. God's just going to pick and choose, and it's up to him, and he's God. After all, all of us deserve to die, and, and all of that. And I've been down that road with so many people in my lifetime, and I've rubbed shoulders with some of the best. They're my friends, and, and it hasn't been used, although it could be used to divide, but it's, we shouldn't let it divide we should be open-minded that we're going to find out in heaven what's really right and what's really wrong. 
But I think since what I've observed, and I want you to hear me, and I think this is something that we all need to work on. It is easy for us as humans to cut each other off. And that's why I think sometimes it's easy for us to embrace certain doctrines. I've seen it in this church. Best friends. Best friends. Spend time together. Go camping together. Go visit together. Eat out together. And I've seen them split and part ways. I've seen it. I've seen people love somebody one moment and then because of something that's not really their area, just smooth cut them off. Just cut them off. They're cut off. They cross that line. And I think it's easy. It shouldn't be easy for us to cut each other off. It happens in families. It happens in churches. If you, if you cross a certain line, certain thing, then we're going we're gonna to cut you off. And I just don't that I don't think that's the way God God does have deadlines and uh, God will suddenly uh, bring destruction. Scripture is clear about that. But overall, you and I need to understand the unconditional mercy and love of God that he loves us so much and he is so patient with us. He's so kind with us. He's put up with so much. How many of you confess the same sin over and over and over and you come back again you say lord it's i i've got this same thing it's anger it's you know jealousy it's whatever it is and you keep coming back well see if you were dealing with a person they just said okay that's enough you're done you're toast you've already asked me forgiveness five or six times that's it but god keeps forgiving us we keep coming back to him. We keep coming back to him. And so we need to allow his character and his nature to rule and control our lives. And so be careful when you embrace certain doctrines that you're not thinking more like a man than the way God thinks. That's, all, that's my challenge to you. That's my, my concern. I believe Jesus died for everyone. And I believe everyone has an opportunity to be saved because God loves the whole world. And he will certainly, he knows who will and who won't. And if a sinner rejects, you know, hears of Christ, turns his back on Christ, deforms Christ, says no to Christ, and I've had many do that in my lifetime, say no to Christ, then they are actually choosing to go to hell themselves. I think it's hard for us to look past the sin. The activity of sin. It's hard for us to look past sin. And see the, the deep into the soul of a person. We, we are normally thwarted and, and uh, repulsed by the outward so much. Because it's so obnoxious. So terrible. And we are turned off to that so many times. And we need to be looking beyond the sin itself and looking deep into the life of the sinner. And that sinner has a void and that void needs to be filled with Christ. They need to see, we need to see them past their uh, actual activity of sin. 
Well, the night that I was on patrol, I was a Houston police officer and I was on patrol. Never will forget as long as I live, we were, we were almost off. We weren't off yet, but we were, our shift ended at 3 a.m. And we're driving kind of toward 61 Reasoner on Dowling Street, which is the third ward. And that night I was driving, my partner was with me, and a, an immoral woman, a streetwalker, came running up to the car breathless and said, there's a man down the way here has a gun on one of the girls. And so my partner jumped out and I started driving slowly, trying to see what's going on. He was moving that way. We got there. Before I got there, saw the blast, the muzzle blast. It's dark, pitch dark. Saw the muzzle blast of a, of a firearm. And we got there. He was a big, truck, big old truck driver. He didn't want to put his hands behind his back. We wrestled him, fought him. I actually hit him in the back because he was resisting. I hit him in the back with my shotgun and broke my shotgun stock, just broke it off in my hand. I backed up and I said, you move, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot you. And it was a struggle. We got him handcuffed, got him in the car, and the girl was on the side of the, like the, in between the curb and the sidewalk in the grass. And she had a huge hole in her chest and back where she had been shot in the chest with a 44 Magnum. And God used that immoral woman to finalize something that he had been tugging in my heart about for quite a while. I'd been struggling with the call to preach. I struggled with all the things that are normal. How are we going to survive? I struggled with, you know, <clears throat> what do I have to offer? And as I talked with her, and she was describing what it was like to be dying, she kept saying over and over, my lights are going out. My lights are going out. And you could just see she was losing strength. They finally, this is back in the day before uh, the fire department was run by the uh, fire, I mean the ambulance was run by the fire department. So they had private ambulances. It took them 45 minutes to get there on Dowling Street. And so she, they load her up, took her to the hospital, and she died. That night, I told God, I said, God, I don't have anything to offer but I want to be available. If you'll open the doors and if you'll use me, I, I want to follow you. I want to obey you. And I'm, I'm trembling. I am scared absolutely to death because I didn't like public speaking. I didn't like to be in the front. And I just said, Lord, but I'm available if you want to use me. And that night, I feel like I surrendered to full-time service, whatever that meant. At the time, I didn't really know. But God used an immoral woman to kind of close the deal in my life and to encourage me to take that step of faith and to step out and follow him. At that time, I was so burdened for souls. I saw people die in car wrecks. I've seen people 
shot five in a little grocery store, never forget going there on Lyon Street. There were five people laying around on the on the floor and in the in the counters and things. They'd been robbery and the guy just came in and just started mowing people down. That 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 is in my mind. I, I'll never be able to get rid of it. Never will forget the Thanksgiving where they had the all the long tables and all the food. And there was a young 20-ish year old girl where she was stabbed in the heart with a pair of scissors. And she got in an argument with her boyfriend and he just grabbed a pair of scissors and stuck her. And she was on the floor. I never will forget that. So God has given me a burden. When I surrendered, I really, really thought I was going to be like a full-time evangelist. That's kind of what I had in mind. So I got the, you know, the bell-bottom pants and the white floor-shine shoes, and, and I wanted to play the part of being a full-fledged evangelist. And, um, of course, I told you that day we were going to Dallas. And here there was a Bible conference of some sort. My buddy was with me, Jerry Wood. He's already in heaven now. We're walking along, and he just, he was a cut-up, and he would walk along in a big part, kind of like the Astrodome, cars everywhere, and we're walking, all these preachers would go in to hear this preaching, and um, <clears throat> he just stops and says, oh, no! I said, what, Jerry, what? He said, I forgot my bell-bottom pants. So anyway, just a cut up. I mean, he just made fun and everything, but it was true during that day. Just about 90% of all those preachers had on bell-bottom pants and shiny shoes, and they, and they looked, they had their hair all slicked back, and they looked the part, you know. So I, that's what I thought I was going to be with a full-fledged evangelist, go out and, and preach revivals. Well, that didn't work out. But I had a pastor... You've heard me refer to him before, Dr. Gerald Melton. Now, Gerald Melton was a, a really special man. He, um, he loved to witness to the lost. So he, it was not uncommon for him on a Friday night, and he always wore those jumpsuits. Did any of you men having those jumpsuits left? I mean, he always wore those jumpsuits. You do. Maybe you should wear them sometime. Work on the car. Well, he, he had a kind of a burgundy pair, and I will forget. So I found out one night, I don't know how I found out, that he was down at a pool hall. And so I was concerned about his safety, so I got in the car and went down there, driving real slow in front of this pool hall, and there he is standing out there with his foot up on the wall, witnessing the people going in and out of the pool hall. And that was his heart. Any of y'all remember Ralph Neighbors back in the early 70s? Remember his ministry? Think about some of his ministry. He, he would go into bars and sit at the bar and drink a Coke because he wanted to go where sinners were. And he was criticized. And can't you just imagine the reasons that we can all come up with? That that, and, it, and it may not be for everybody, but it was for him. And he, he has notation. And you know, it's amazing. Turn, if you will, to Matthew 9. Uh, 
Matthew 9, I'm going to start in, in verse 10. We could read the whole section here, but I think for the sake of time, we'll hold off. Nine, nine. And Jesus passed forth from thence. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of customs, and he saith unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. Y'all know tax collectors. I mean, what that was like to even fellowship with anybody like that. And verse 10, and it came to pass as Jesus sat at meat in the house. Behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Can't you just imagine seeing our Lord at a meal in a house with a bunch of well-known sinners? I mean, I, I would imagine many of us would be on the outside saying, look at that. Well, can you believe it? I mean, Jesus is in there eating with sinners. He's in there eating with, he's rubbing elbows with those people. And then, not only that, his disciples are there too. Now, all of us love, and we should love, a good Bible study. And we all should enjoy and love good fellowship in the body of Christ. But I submit to you, this is my personal belief, I submit to you that 2 Peter 3, 9, that the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. This is what I believe. So you can take this to the bank. This is what I believe. I believed it for a very long time. I don't believe that Jesus is waiting to come again so we can have more Bible study. And I don't believe he's holding off his return because we need more good fellowship. But I believe that scripture teaches very clearly the Lord is not slack about his promise because he is not willing that any should perish and that all should come to repentance. And he's holding back over souls, not study. Souls, not fellowship. It is the burden of lost people dying and going to hell because he understands, he knows what they're going to face. 
He understands it. We can read about hell all day long, but we don't have a clue what hell is going to be like for the lost who reject Jesus Christ. It's not anything you want to play around with. So God knows that. And I believe with all of my heart and all of my soul that his delay is over that one soul that's out there. The soul that's out there that's yet to receive Christ. It's over lost souls that God is delaying. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> Jesus' life was spent reaching the lost, healing them, feeding them, and he saved them. I want to tell you another little true story. You've never heard this one before, so if you're one of those that keeps track of how many times I tell a story, this one's brand new. It's about a possum. A possum in a trap. You see, we have four pens. They're very nice pens. We ordered them from Lot. There's a Christian family in Lot, Texas, and they build cabins. They build horse stalls. They build stuff. They build chicken pens, some of the finest chicken pens you'd ever want to see. They're bomb-proof. So I ordered, we have four of those, brought them over on the trailer. And uh, so I have wire in the back to keep the varmints. We have so many varmints at night. You just wouldn't believe the goons and possums and foxes. And I just checked my trail camera. Now we've got a bobcat running around out there. So <clears throat> um, went out there one morning and there was a hole dug on the side big old thing in the sand and feathers everywhere in there. Something had gotten in and killed one of my laying hens. And I don't know if y'all understand laying hens, but it takes a lot of money and a lot of feed to raise them up and get them where they're laying, producing. And when something kills them, it can really make you mad. So I said, okay, set the live trap over the hole, put cat food in there, opened it up. Next morning, big old granddaddy possum. He was in that trap, and he hissed at me when I walked up. And so Rod came. We had these hunters there, people from Arkansas. And uh, one of them's name was Coon, these hunters. His name was Coon, and one of them's name Country. Country now, Country, I started to give a picture so you could see Country. You need to see Country. But in vision, Country had his bushy, bushy hair under his ball cap, sticking out like this, and a big old full beard. And he's, he's a, a, a version of Duck Dynasty type beard, but it wasn't the long skinny beard. It was full and round. And he's country. And uh, so I'd already been told that Coon, that's the man's daddy, they don't know that he's saved. And they're pretty sure without a doubt that country's not saved. So now they're on our property. And we feel like everybody that comes on our property is fair game. <clears throat> so, so they were out, and when they, uh, Rod was there, and I said, Rod, open the trap and let the possum out. And he looked at me, and he said, Daddy, are you sure? He killed your chicken. 
I said, let him out. Let him free. And so he said, okay, I will. But he didn't want to. So he opened that door and he hissed a little bit. And he kind of plodded along and ran out. And Rod said, oh, possum, this is your lucky day. So they all came in for lunch. And they're all there. And here's Coon and here's Country. And so I'm sitting there in a rocking chair on our, our barn porch. And I said, I said, will you two guys help me with something? Knowing they're both probably lost as they can be. Uh, country, now I was told, drinks over, get this. He drinks over a quart of liquor. Uh, over a quart of liquor a day. And he's almost a chain smoker. So we don't allow alcohol on the ranch. We don't allow vulgarity on the ranch. It's in our, it's in our contract. And we don't allow smoking in the stands. So they have to smoke outside the stand. So here are these people that we feel like we've been told they really have never, they're not church and they're not saved. And, and I'm sitting there in my rocking chair, just as comfortable as I can be. And I said, let me ask you guys a, a question. I've got an illustration I'd like to use at church sometime. And I like to just try it out on y'all and see what you think. So what do y'all think? And they said, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, tell us, tell us. And I said, okay, well, I caught this possum that killed my chicken. And I was so angry at that possum, I just wanted to blow his head off. But I didn't. I opened the trap door, my son did, and let him run free. Now, he deserved to die. But he was given freedom. I said, you know, that's what Jesus has done for all of us. We all deserve to die for our sins. We deserve to die, but Jesus died in our place. And he shed his blood and he gave his life so that we could be set free and live forever in heaven with him. I said, what do you all think about that illustration? They said, preacher, that is a good illustration. And we really like that. So they heard the gospel as clear as possible. Now, I'm going to tell you, let me just say a couple of things. Back when our kids were at home, you're, you want to protect your children from the influence of sinners, okay? You don't want to bring them in and have them, you know, teach your kids bad things. But there are times that I think Sometimes we are, if that, if that guy, if we all knew, well, man, he guzzles a, over a quart of straight liquor every day and he's a chain smoker sitting there puffing on those cigarettes, we don't want anything to do with him. But you see, I believe he needs to be saved. He needs to be saved. He needs to come to know Jesus Christ. So does Coon. Coon and Country. Y'all remember to pray for them because we're not going to give up on them. We're going to keep praying for them till one day we hear they've come to the Lord. But it's important that we see past the sin and we are willing to reach out and be concerned about their soul. I think it's important that we can understand that we're going to disagree on some things. We're going to disagree on some doctrines, and that's okay. Don't let it divide you. Don't let it split you up. Don't let it cause you to get into your own little group and everybody thinks the same way over a certain doctrine. 
We need to be open and we need to agree that the church, I believe, and I, I am so thankful and I'm not going to name names, but we've got families, we've got people, we've got young adults in this church going to prisons and witnessing to the lost and they don't need a pep rally to get them going. They don't need a program to get them going. They're doing it because they're in direct obedience to the Lord's prompting in their lives. We've got another family where the son is going and the family's having gatherings and they're witnessing to 400 at a time. Many are getting saved, going to foreign countries where most of us, I wouldn't even want to go. Mosquitoes, malaria, all this stuff. That's not for me. I've had all the camping I want. But I'm going to tell you what, folks, we've got people at our church doing that right now. They're going and they're reaching and they're going to where they are, the lost. Have you ever noticed? Coon and country aren't coming to our church. And I'm going to tell you what, there are many coon and country individuals that are out there that they're not going to come to this church. They're not going to darken the doors of this church. But praise God, when we're done, guess what? We're all going to scatter. We're all going to go out. And we're all going to have opportunities to witness. Oh, we can argue over doctrines. We can argue over politics. and We can disagree over the mask thing. Isn't that something? But let's don't disagree that the lost souls need to be saved and that Jesus died for them. And please don't lose sight of the fact that every death matters. That's why my compassion, y'all heard me say it, and some kind of got a little irritated, I think, when I would bring the numbers. But I'm telling you, it doesn't matter how they die or what they died from. I've had a burden for people dying and going off into eternity. And this, I, this has been going on in my life since I was on the police department. Seeing them die and, and just being ushered off into eternity. And it's been a burden. It's been a concern. I, I'm concerned for them. And they need to know. And the best thing I can do today is encourage you to let's go. Let's, let's go. And, and they die from sicknesses. They die from accidents. They die from car crash. They die from drowning. They plane crash, heart attacks, COVID, cancer, you name it. People are dying all around us and we need to reach them as the Lord leads us. Now, not all of us are going to reach the same amount. The parable of soils, I think, is indicative. Some hundred, some 60, and some 30. I think there's going to be some that are going to be like Billy Graham's and some are going to be like you and me. We may, we may win a few along the way. But let's don't stress out over the method of evangelism. Let me just, I want to give you a couple of just tips here just toward the end. Just a couple of things to just think. Don't stress. You know, wring your hands and stress and say, I need to be an evangelist. I need to be an evangelist. How do I do it? What am I going to do? Why don't you just relax and start living out the interest that, that, are, that are okay, the interest that God has given you. If it's camping, if it's fishing, sports, animals, you'll never know 
how many people are out there that are into something that you're interested in and you'll rub shoulders with them and they're not going to come to our church. But you're out there with them. You're out there talking to them and it's all a common interest. And so, and I even have shopping down here, which I can't imagine anybody being interested in that. But, uh, but shopping could be an interest. And, uh, but wherever you are, wherever your life takes you, be open. So don't stress. Don't stress. Plan. Here's, here's kind of what you need to think about this week and beyond. Plan to let God open the doors. Plan to let God open the doors. I see there's not a time that I encounter somebody that I don't have. the. It's almost 100% that I think this is a divine encounter. I've been at the medical center and I've seen that elevator door open and someone there in the, in the elevator. And I know I've got, you know, 20 floors to ride with them, talk with them. A divine appointment. I didn't, it didn't catch God by surprise that I opened the doors open and I stepped on that elevator with that person. And we need to be prepared. You need to, you need to be prepared and, and get some verses recorded somehow, some way. You need to be able to go through the Roman road. I looked up uh, a track that we had here that I really, really liked, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're going to order some more. Uh, it says, may I ask you a question? And it's an easy, it's got scripture, got lots of scripture. It's got, you know, a fellow in, in the hospital bed with cancer and says if, somebody, if you had cancer and somebody was willing to take your place, would, you know, that kind of thing, then Jesus took your place. And uh, it's, it's a good, good, simple track. And so we're going to have some of those. I think we ought to have those available when you go and be prepared to leave something with them so they can be have something to take home and read. And I'm telling you, there are a lot of people that have been saved uh, throughout the years by reading a gospel tract. And there are so many out there. There's so many good ones out there. But I would encourage you, get ready. Look for opportunities. Let godly and don't force it. I think that does a lot of damage when we force things. We need to be led by the Spirit, not led by our zeal and our efforts that are so sometimes misled. But just be friendly to people. Be upbeat with people. Uh, be likable. Let people enjoy your presence. Don't always be down in the mouth and you know discouraging to people. And, and, and you'll look up one day and you'll have an open door. You'll have an opportunity to win somebody to Christ. And I'm going to tell you, I've done a lot of fun things in my life, but nothing, there's nothing, nothing that compares to seeing someone get on their knees and pray and receive Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior. There's nothing like it. There's nothing to compare to it. So I would encourage you today, we're going to have an invitation. I'm going to encourage you today to just be open and ask God, would you just ask God during the invitation, dear Lord, please renew, rekindle that zeal for lost souls in my heart. 
Help me to be excited about lost souls. Help me to see them as you see them. Help me to see past the activity of sin, but to see the down deep in their souls, their lives. And so just ask God to, to help you and, and tell him you're available and watch what he will do. It's an exciting way to live. You don't have to sweat over it. You don't have to pressure over it. You don't have to push. Just go through life. And it's amazing how God opens doors and brings people in your path. And, and many of them throughout my lifetime have been such easy. It's like, it's like ripe fruit. You just touch that ripe fruit and it falls off the vine. That's the way it is when God's at work and when he's working in a person's heart and life and you witness to them and they say, yes, I want to be saved. So let's pray that we'll see a great harvest. This is harvest season. Let's pray that we'll see a great harvest as we all ask God to rekindle that zeal. Lord, stir it up in my heart. Don't let me become calloused or hardened uh, to the cares of this world, but ask him to help you to be open and ready to share as he leads. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we want to thank you for your word. We thank you for the simplicity of it. We thank you for the fact that you are slow. You're delaying, as some men say, you're delaying your return because you're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And I pray, Father, that we would uh, just get stirred up, that we would get excited over seeing one after another after another come to saving grace by placing their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. We trust now that you would use us, help us to be a people that's used of God and counts for eternity. And we'll just be real careful to praise you and give you all the glory. We don't want any glory for ourselves. We just want it all for you. In Jesus' name, amen.